In the previous section, we focused on a variety of extraaxial collections, which can dramatically displace the brain within the intracranial cavity. Such displacement results in what is termed herniation, which merely describes the fact that certain parts of the brain are pushed into areas that they shouldn't normally be. There is nothing magical about cerebral herniation. Remember that the skull is not only a fixed volume, but it is also divided into three main compartments by fairly rigid dural reflections. The tentorium divides the intracranial space into a large supratentorial compartment and a smaller posterior fossa. And the supratentorial compartment is further divided into a left and right halves by the falcs. And there's only one realistic way out of the skull, and that is through the foramen magnum. That is, of course, unless a helpful neurosurgeon or trauma has made a sizable hole in the skull somewhere else. When the brain is displaced by mass effect in the setting of trauma, usually an extraaxial collection, although very similar patterns are seen in a setting of stroke or tumour, it will eventually be displaced from one of these three compartments into either an adjacent compartment or out of the skull. It is this displacement that we call herniation. Each of these patterns has a name that either denotes where the herniation is occurring or which structure is herniating. So, Subfalcine herniation is left to right or right to left herniation below the free edge of the fox. Transtentorial herniation can be either downward, which is common and most often involves a mesial part of the temporal lobes, also known as the uncus, or upwards from the posterior fossa mass effect. In the setting of posterior fossa mass effect or in the setting of severe whole brain shift, then the cerebellum will be squeezed out of the foramen magnum, and it is the cerebellar tonsils that make a run for it first. There are a number of other patterns of herniation that are described, but these three will be all you need in most situations. Before you go on to absorb the information and examples below, there are two important points I want to draw your attention to, which I think are underappreciated. Firstly, whenever the brain is shifted through a dural opening, in other words, transentorial herniation or subfalcine herniation, then any artery that runs next to the dural fold on the side of the mass effect is at risk of being compressed and occluded. Although not terribly common, we see this a number of times each year. Most commonly, at least in my anecdotal experience, is the posterior cerebral artery in uncle herniation and the anterior cerebral artery in subfalcine herniation that are involved resulting in infarction of their relevant territories. It is also my experience, again anecdotally, that these are often missed on early scans, so it should become one of your check areas. Secondly, and far more common and perhaps less underappreciated, is the fact that accumulation of extraaxial blood or a mass or whatever not only result in mass effect directly, but also result in obstruction to normal CSF outflow due to the distortion of foramen of Monroe or the aqueduct. So this is another important check area. Examine the ventricles, particularly change in the temporal horn size, which appreciably dilate earlier than the rest of the ventricular system, for signs of hydrocephalus whenever you see midline shift or cerebral herniation. 